T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, hour number three. Louis DiBiase here in for Nate Geary on Sports Talk Saturday, WGR Sports Radio 550. Corey Griswold with me as well for one more hour. Getting your calls in at 803-0550. Hit us up on Twitter at WGR 550 at LOE. We're going to continue to get into some football talk. The NFL draft is less than three weeks away. April 29th, that Thursday is day one. In Cleveland, Ohio, I want to talk about the top three. I want to get back into quarterback here. We talked with Lockdown Patriots host Mike Debate at noon about what the Patriots could do at quarterback. Now I want to hear about what the Niners could do at pick three because that's really when things start to be unpredictable. We know Trevor Lawrence is going to be the first pick in Jacksonville, and I think we know we know that Zach Wilson is going to be the pick out of BYU to the New York Jets at second overall. So joining me right now to talk about the Niners, he is the host of the Locked On 49ers podcast, as well as a co-host of the Peacock and Williamson NFL podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Brian Peacock. Brian, man, thanks for joining the show. How are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. Getting excited for this NFL draft. A lot of intrigue at the top for uh, the team I cover, especially number three. Yeah, Brian, you have an interesting situation on your hand. Explain to me what's going on. Obviously, we know you guys moved up from 12 to 3 to go for a quarterback, that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't the long-term answer. And normally, everybody's like, okay, they're going for a guy that has a higher ceiling, right? A guy that can elevate your team for 10-plus years, regardless of what the roster looks like. That could be Justin Fields. It could be Trey Lance. And then suddenly, from the top ropes, we hear Mac Jones might not only be in consideration, but could be the favorite. Is that actually something that's going to happen, Brian, is Mac Jones the pick at three? Well, uh, it's it's really interesting that the Mac Jones thing just came out of nowhere as if it was a conventional wisdom that that was what the 49ers were going to do. Because if we're looking at the facts, it doesn't really point that direction at all. Mm-hmm. It does point to the direction of Mac Jones in that he's one of the top five quarterbacks in this draft. And immediately following the trade, there was a press conference in Santa Clara and uh, uh, head coach Kyle Shanahan and GM John Lynch were talking about the pick. And they said they were comfortable with three quarterbacks and that there was a, a chance for the other two to also be part of the conversation. They needed to complete those evaluations. So um, he also said, uh, Kyle Shanahan did, that he wants a top-five quarterback in the NFL and that it makes mm-hmm. everything else so much easier when you have one of those top guys. And he's played against Russell Wilson for four years now in the division, a couple right. times per season. He's played against Kyler Murray. He gushed about Josh Allen when he played the Buffalo Bills this year. And the one thing that 49ers defenses have had trouble against, even though they've been one of the better defenses in the league the last couple of years, 
is really mobile quarterbacks that extended plays on third downs and made it difficult for their pass rush to get home. And so when you put those things together, and when at that very same press conference somebody asked Kyle Shanahan if his, court, if his prototype quarterback was Kirk Cousins, and his answer was interesting because he said it's pretty ridiculous that his prototype would be someone like Kirk Cousins. And then he went on to say a lot of nice things about Kirk Cousins. <laughs> he said it's ridiculous that that would be his prototype. Right. And he said his prototype was the guy that his dad was coaching when uh, you know he was in high school in Denver in John Elway. And he also mentioned the name Patrick Mahomes, who, by the way, beat him in the Super Bowl. So I think when you, when you look at the facts and you put the pieces together, the 49ers went up to number three and – it's also an insult. It kind of insults our intelligence a little bit that they would go up to right. number three for Mac Jones. Uh, so I don't know where that speculation comes comes from. And when guys like Adam Schefter are so convinced that that's the pick, I don't know how that happens. But um, the 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 facts are that the Forty ers maybe Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch know, but they haven't even told people in their own organization who that pick is. And that's according to. Uh, First of all, it's what we know because right. of four years of zero leaks coming out of that 49ers front office, but Ian Rappaport said it yesterday on the Rich Eisen show, too. So there's a lot of speculation about Mac Jones, but if you really look at the facts and you look at what they're saying and, and you look at the actions and you just use your own noggin a little bit, I think everything really points to either Justin Fields or Trey Lance, and both of them are having second pro days that the 49ers are going to go see next week. And the other part of it is that when they made this trade, Kyle Shanahan had only met one of those prospects in person and right. seen that human being throw live. Would they go all the way up to number three and make that trade, having never met, never seen these guys in person, never seen them throw? And that one person was Justin Fields. So I think that that is QB3 for them. And, it, you know, unless something crazy happens at number two and Zach Wilson's there. So Lawrence Wilson Fields is the way. I think this thing's going to go down with the sleuthing that I know and the experience I have covering this team for the last four years. Yeah, right, Brian. Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers joining us right now on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. That That's my thing is like, yeah, I hear Adam Schefter saying it's Mac Jones. I hear Daniel Jeremiah also talking about how he really strongly believes it's Mac Jones. Chris Sims, who's friends with Kyle Shanahan, the same thing. But then I'm struggling to understand the logic because I think like you talked about, you know, you look at who's beaten Shanahan, right? You look at, and also, I mean, he's you've he's um, he's coached mobile quarterbacks, RG three in Washington as well. So it's not like he's been married to this, you know, pocket passer. I just don't get why you look at Jimmy Garoppolo. I thought the whole reason to trade up, right? Why you give up all those assets is to get more than that because that was a quarterback that you could win with, right? He gets you to the Super Bowl, but he's not somebody that you consistently win because of, like Patrick Mahomes, who, as you said, beat them in the Super Bowl. So. Everything, the blueprint just seems like, and like all these teams do, normally they give up this amount of um, draft ammunition for a guy that can elevate you for a decade plus, regardless of, you know, the Niners offense is great right now and Mac Jones could thrive in it potentially, but it might not always be that way. So I just don't think you trade that much for like a joystick like Sean McVay had with Jared Goff. You saw McVay do the same thing, move on from that kind of quarterback. The Niners, I thought were going to do the same thing. Now they're going to just kind of make a lateral move with Jones. It's just like you said, man, the logic just doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, and even if you project out what Mac Jones could be at his relative ceiling, and it's unfortunate for Mac Jones because now he's getting just dragged right. on 49ers Twitter because everyone hates him and doesn't want that to be the case. He's, just, <laughs> he's a fine prospect. I would have thought he would have been a great pick for the 49ers at 43 within, sure. you know, in the second round. And I can see why Kyle Shanahan would like Mac Jones, and I can see why he's somebody that they would be considering. But 
even if you projected out and, and Mac Jones at his relative realistic ceiling in the NFL, is he going to be a top five quarterback in the league? That's mm-hmm. really hard to project. Right. Uh, and the 49ers would still have QB4 in the NFC West, and you wouldn't really be even upgrading much, and maybe not at all from Jimmy Garoppolo. And by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo has the best winning percentage of any quarterback Kyle Shanahan has coached exactly. in the NFL, including Matt Ryan. So, um, yeah, none of that stuff makes sense at all. So uh, I'll believe the Mac Jones hype when I actually see the pick and, and it's three and it turns out to be the case, but uh, I just it's just something I just flat out can't buy. And then when it comes to Trey Lance, the reason I think it's Fields over Lance, too, is, I mean, Lance just played one season at the 1AA level. Yeah. I mean, the amount of, I mean, it's already, you know, the hubris for these guys already to have traded up to pick number three a month before the draft to go get the third uh, best quarterback in this class is already, you know, whew, this could be a move that uh, sets you up for a decade. It could also be the move that gets you fired, and, sure. and maybe they're not even the ones making the, the pick in 2024 when they have another first-round draft pick. So uh, a lot of guts there, but it would take an extreme amount of guts to go up to get someone like uh, Trey Lance, who's played one season at 1AA and uh, you know, 371 dropbacks or something like that mm-hmm. in his career. It's, oh, man. And, again, someone that they never met when they made that trade-up. Never yeah. seen him throw live. And they finally will, and they'll be able to finish it, and maybe they'll decide he is the guy. But, um, to me, everything points to Justin Fields. Yeah, it's going to really it's going to be telling who passes on Trey Lance and who goes for it. Who's okay with that really low I don't want to say low floor when it, but it just like there's like you said so much unknown with him. He's ba- the kid has barely played, but then the the potential seems unlimited. And so that's the intrigue is like it's kind of like with the Bills, Josh Allen. They could have picked the safe mm-hmm. Mac Jones like guy with Josh Rosen, but they went with Josh Allen and it panned out. But other teams like the Broncos tried that too with a, a Paxton Lynch and it didn't work. So I don't know. I, I do think though, Brian, if they took Trey Lance, the Niners would be best set up to where even if he doesn't reach that potential right away, they're so talented on offense and with Shanahan there and he makes quarterbacks look great. I think while Lance develops, he could still play right away and you could still win football games. Absolutely, and you could definitely talk me into Trey Lance, and I thought he was the best option for the 49ers when they were at 12 right? because I thought he was the one that maybe because of those reasons could slip to them and be a perfect player you know, to play behind um, Jimmy Garoppolo for a year and have that you know, stability at quarterback while you develop the young guy. And there is some similarities, I think, to Josh Allen just because you know, the height, weight, speed, and, mm-hmm. and what he can do, and it might take a while, but – um, the other thing I don't like, which is sort of the conventional wisdom with um, Trey Lance, is that he has to sit for a year. Right. But to me, the his biggest weakness is that he needs to play. That's what I was going to ask so you, man. He's only he played to, one year. <laughs> yeah, he needs to play for a year. He doesn't need to sit for a year. Like, if he sat for an entire his entire rookie year, you're talking about a player who's had one game two years, at the start yeah. of the 2022 season. Right. Like, in, in two and a half years on the calendar. So that's a long time to not play and you know there can be some development done but the thing he needs most is to play and i get why you say well he's not ready so he can't play so sort of a double-edged sword there uh, but he, the guy the thing he needs most is experience too locked on 49ers host brian peacock joining us on wgr for a few more minutes talking about what the niners could do at pick three is it mac jones at quarterback is it trey lance is it justin fields brian we've talked about mac jones we've talked about trey lance we haven't really hit on Justin Fields yet. This has been the consensus QB2 for years. Even coming out of high school, it felt like it was Lawrence and it was Fields. And then you see those two playing at the top of their game in the college football playoff last year. Justin Fields beats Trevor Lawrence, throws for six touchdowns, and yet he's seen as, to a lot of people, QB4. 
and maybe even QB5. Like, if Mac Jones goes third, I could see Trey Lance going at four to Atlanta or a team that moves up. I don't know. Do you think there is maybe an over-evaluation here of Fields? Like, he's been good for so long, kind of like Lawrence, that everybody's said the same things about him, so now we're just looking for new talking points just with how long the draft process is, and we're kind of creating these narratives that maybe just aren't accurate? That's what I think, because I look in some of, at some of these takes about Fields, and I'm like, I, I just don't get it. I think he's got everything. I think it's there, and I'm not sure why, even with Zach Wilson, why Zach Wilson is just the unanimous QB2. I like Wilson, and he is my QB2, but the fact that there's no debate is kind of perplexing. I am with you 100% on that with Louie, and I just think this one is the draft game, and it's curiously quiet. Mm. Nobody is talking about Justin Fields, right. which tells me that everyone really likes Justin Fields, okay. and that teams at four and eight are probably sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I hope Justin Fields is the guy that falls because of all the reasons you talked about. And there was a couple of games that maybe... Um, he didn't play his best this last year, Northwestern and Indiana. But when I went back and watched those games, they weren't nearly as bad as, as what you thought they were. And, you know, some drops hurt him. And then when you compare that to what we saw with him outdoing the guy who's going to be number one overall, and the toughness and the broken ribs and going out and beating Clemson in the playoff, um, I mean, his ceiling is through the roof. His toughness, his competitiveness, he was fighting to get his team to even have a football season this year so there's been some leaks and some questions that are clearly I think teams trying to send some misinformation out there because when you look at off field you look at what kind of player he is and the high upside I really think that uh, Justin Fields is the guy that nobody is leaking information out that they like him because everyone actually does like him because as we know this is uh, absolutely lying season around the NFL. 100% Brian you look at after three I think anything could happen for the final two quarterbacks available And I think someone is going at four. I don't know if it's because Atlanta takes one. Maybe they're not in that spot. Somebody trades up. I I just, after that though, I have no idea. I guess it depends on who's available still between like Mac Jones, because I think if Fields or Lance is left, somebody's going to get him from like five to seven to eight. But if Mac Jones is the last guy left, he might not be the pick until what, you know, 15, maybe to New England. So it's interesting to see what happens after three when it comes to the other two quarterbacks that are left. It's, it's so interesting where all three of those quarterbacks will fall because you can make arguments anywhere. But I think a team like the Carolina Panthers maybe is telling us that they had only a couple of guys that they like at the right. top, or maybe they're really convinced that the guy they like, the 49ers moved up to get because they made the trade for Sam Darnold. And that would seem like something they would do after the draft just to make sure that the quarterback they like doesn't fall to them at number eight or they you know, were in within arm's reach of going up and getting them at, at five or six. So um, that one's telling to me. And the other thing that's telling is that all of the analysts, every analyst I trust, if you don't trust Brian Peacock, if you don't trust <laughs> Louis DiBiase, if you don't trust you know, uh, us on the air, yeah. go to your favorite mock drafter, go to your favorite draft analyst, and see how they had these quarterbacks stacked up with their own evaluations. And in mock drafts three weeks ago, before the 49ers traded up, the 49ers were on the clock at 12, and they still weren't taking Mac Jones in any of those mock yeah. drafts. He was sliding to the back end of the first round. Then all of a sudden he trades up to three, and then – they try to act like, oh, that makes perfect sense. They moved up to three for a guy I didn't even think they should take at 12. So uh, <laughs> Justin Fields is always the guy at the top. When you do your evaluations, high-end talent, that's really how I expect this thing to go. Then I think it'll be close, and, and depending on if teams want a guy who's ready now or maybe might take a little bit of time but higher upside with Trey Lance and Mac Jones. That's fully how I expect it to happen. How far Lance and Jones fall in that scenario will be super interesting. And uh, I think – 
that pick 12 where the 49ers were originally on the clock, I think one of those five quarterbacks is still going to be there. So you think Justin Fields is the pick at three if you had to put your money on it right now? Uh, absolutely, and I have put my money on it. Uh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Justin Fields at three, according to Brian Peacock of Lockdown 49ers. Brian, last thing for you. I'm kind of getting hyped for fantasy football. I know it's pretty early, but I was actually thinking about this the other day only because I was thinking about the receiver groups right now and uh, looking at some duos across the NFL and thinking, okay, how do I go about you know, do I want this guy on this team? Do I want C.D. Lamb or Michael Gallup? And I thought for the 49ers, too, with how good of a rookie season Brandon Ayuk had, but also Debo Samuel coming back in year three, I think Debo is the favorite to be wide receiver one. I think people view him as the top receiver and Ayuk's number two. But when it comes to owning a guy, I know it's really early, and it depends on who the quarterback could be. But right now, if I had an early fantasy draft, Debo or Ayuk? I would probably say Ayuk because yeah. of Debo's injury history and the way they were used last year. Kyle Shanahan elected to use Debo as the more gadget yeah, player, like yeah. getting the short catch and run stuff. And Ayuk, I think, maybe has a little bit more upside. And obviously, they liked him enough to move up in the draft and, and take him in the first round. And Kyle Shanahan thought he was one of the top two receivers in the draft, along with C.D. Lamb, even ahead of both Alabama right. uh, wide receivers. Which, by the way, is another wrinkle of this Mac Jones thing. Yeah. The 49ers absolutely do not trust Nick Saban and Alabama. They haven't drafted an Alabama player since Reuben Foster. And at Mac Jones Pro Day, they didn't even talk to Nick Saban or ask him any questions about Mac Jones. Hmm. So that's another interesting wrinkle to this whole thing. They they just do not trust the information that comes out of Alabama. They do trust information that comes out of colleges like Arizona State and South Carolina, where they drafted numerous players. But anyway, um, yeah, I would go Ayuk as the number one going forward because I think he's got more potential down the field. And I wouldn't be shocked if they, you know, depending on which quarterback they draft to three, I think they could incorporate a lot more down the field throws and maybe even add another, you know, more linear pass catcher in the draft. Well, Brian, you've got a crazy couple weeks ahead of you. Who knows what the Niners are going to do at three? We know it's a quarterback, but like you said, it could be Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. You can follow Brian's stuff on Twitter at BD Peacock. He is the host of Locked On 49ers. You can get that podcast five days a week on any podcast platform, as well as the Peacock and Williams NFL podcast on any show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Brian, thanks, man, for taking the time and enjoy these next three weeks. I know it's been chaotic for you. Oh, it's going to be so fun. It's always a pleasure chatting with you, man. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers joining us on Sports Talk Saturday. WGR Sports Radio 550, 850 is the number to call at WGR 550 on Twitter at DBASI. L-O-E. I, man, I don't, I don't, it's not going to be Mac Jones. Corey, I'm going to get, I refuse to believe it's going to be Mac Jones. I just. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Th- this always happens every year. There's always like a gold rush for quarterbacks right. at the top. It really escalates very quickly. Yeah, we'll see. Hey, I, I think I sure. get to use this now. Check this out. I'm going to give this a try because this is the okay. first time I've seen this. Let me try this here. Uh, press the button. <laughs> Odyssey is your new home for all the audio that matters to you. That's not it. There's supposed to be, I thought, maybe, oh, maybe it doesn't work. Will this work? Let's try it. No, it won't. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, what's going there's on? supposed to be a breaking news thing here, yes. but it's not working. Uh, there are reports now uh, coming out. Uh, the fourth period is uh, uh, reporting it, and now there are also con- confirmations uh, coming in from other places yeah. that uh, Brandon Montour has been traded to the Florida Panthers uh, from the Buffalo Sabres. Wow. Uh, we, their details are still 
scant at this point. It has not been officially released yep. uh, from the Buffalo Sabres, although the reports are saying that Montour has been informed of the trade. Uh, we are working right now uh, to confirm that. The Sabres should be hosting some Zooms at about 1.45 today but prior to the game. Uh, this, I believe, are they playing today or are they playing tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow at 2 o'clock. They're playing tomorrow. So uh, they'll be talking today uh, about it. I know that uh, Montour was held out of practice today. Colin Miller was also held out of practice today. So uh, there's all sorts of Sabres stuff going on, but the reports are Brandon Montour traded to the Florida Panthers. So there you go, Brandon Montour going to the Florida Panthers. The Buffalo Sabres shipping out a couple of their key defensemen, potentially with Montour, the first one to drop. And again, who knows, Taylor Hall could be on the move. Be sure to follow us for updates at WGR 550 and keep it locked right here on WGR as we continue to give you updates on the Sabres and their trade moves. They've dropped another couple games here and... It's sad. I mean, Brandon Montour, I'm not really torn up about it. I thought when they traded uh, Gooley in a pick for Montour from Anaheim, I thought it was a solid move. But Montour to this day, I still, you know, Corey, I can't really tell you like what he does great and what he struggles with. I just think he's a guy. He's, a, I guess, a second-pair defenseman. That's fine. You can get by with. And I think considering the timeline of the Sabres right now and where they're at as an organization and when they could potentially start to contend again, you know, he just – I don't think really meets the timeline anymore. Yeah, it's disappointing, and I think we, it's there's a lot of people now wondering what influence the coach has had on that. Sure, um, because of how badly a lot of players have played, and even in the short time that the coach has departed, how those players seem to have improved. So you wonder now what like what could have been with Montour right. in that circumstance, but like that's that's just how it goes. It's just like he kind of this trade represents like where the Sabres are headed again. When they traded for Montour, it seemed more like, okay, we're still it felt like they were trying still, right? They it's and that wasn't a big that wasn't like the big move to show we're going all in. It's not like, you know, bringing in Taylor Hall this offseason or, you know, even Eric Stahl to a degree or when Tim Murray was general manager, Ryan O'Reilly or trading for Evander Kane. That showed, hey, we're done rebuilding. We're going now to win now. Like we're trying to revamp this rebuild. We're trying to fast forward the process. And now with this trade with Montour, again, it's not like an end-all, be-all. It's not going to really impact your franchise that significantly short-term or long-term. Again, he was just a guy. Like Montour was a, a solid defenseman, but didn't do anything great. Didn't struggle a whole lot. But he, yeah, he was just like a he was a second, third pair defenseman. And so, but his this trade is the start, I think, of really the ball getting rolling here, where the Sabers are going to start moving a lot of those win win now assets like Montour, Taylor Hall, and potentially Colin Miller and these other guys. So Brandon Montour trades to the Florida Panthers again. Updates at Twitter. At WGR 550, Louis DiBiase, Corey Griswold in for Nate Geary on Sports Talk Saturday. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, back here for our three, 30 minutes to go. Sports Talk Saturday, Louis DiBiase, Corey Griswold, WGR Sports Radio 550, 803-0550 is the number to call. Getting into a lot of football talk today, some Masters talk, but also we're going to have Brayton Wilson on in just a few minutes to talk about the Buffalo Sabres. The NHL trade deadline is looming, and the Sabres have already made a trade sending Brandon Montour to the Florida Panthers. Corey, any details on the trade yet, or are we still waiting to find out when it comes to draft capital and, and what got sent We're to We're still Buffalo? waiting to find out. Sportsnet has the story now as well, so it's starting to circulate. I'm assuming probably within the next you know 15 mm -hmm. minutes, 30 minutes, we'll probably have the details of what's going on. 13 goals for Montour over three seasons. He was traded from Anaheim to the Sabres in the 2018-2019 season for a draft pick and uh, Brennan Gooley. So Montour was supposed to be a part of the defensive core, right? A, a top four 
defenseman. And so when they made that move, it kind of seemed like they were still in this win now mode, at least to a certain degree, right? It still seemed like they were definitely trying, like they're, they weren't, you know, cleaning house as you have Jack Eichel, you're always going to try to build around him to a certain level. Yep. Tim Murray tried the same thing too. The minute he got Eichel, he fast forwarded the rebuild. He traded for Evander Kane. He brought in Ryan O'Reilly, you know, Jamie McGinn even for a bit. Um, So Robin Leonard at goaltender, but now with this Montour trade to Florida, it is kind of the start of the end. I think of them really trying and maybe, maybe not lying to themselves anymore about who they are. It felt like they kept running it back and you could justify it again because they had Eichel. And also because you had that hot start in November where the Sabres for a couple years in a row there in the winter were atop the league in the standings, but then they would absolutely collapse and show who they truly were. And so even this off season with Kevin Adams as the general manager, you could tell they were still trying to maximize, I think, Jack Eichel and not waste that talent, even though maybe it kind of held them back from actually getting somewhere long-term. I don't want to say that Eichel is the reason like he's holding them back, but when you have a guy like Eichel, you're always going to try to win now. You're always going to try to maximize that talent. And so you brought in Taylor Hall and you brought in Eric Stahl, and Montour was that guy in 2018, but now I think they're real with who they are and they're going to start you know, this is going to be the first shoe to drop. This isn't going to be the only move the Sabres make before the trade deadline. I think you can expect Taylor Hall to be traded. I know Eric Stahl's already out. So the Sabres are going to make moves. And Brandon Montour is the first one with the Florida Panthers as the NHL trade deadline looms. We have Brayton on. We ready to go. Brayton Wilson joining us now on WGR. To get more into this Brandon Montour trade, Brayton, thanks on a short notice for joining the show. Hey, Lou. Good to talk with you. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good. A lot of football talk, some golf, but now the NHL trade deadline coming up and the Sabres just made a move. What can you tell us about this trade right now as far as any details coming out? Montour, obviously a part of a big part of the defense and now uh, heading over to Florida. Well, I mean, it seemed like a move like this seemed like it was going to be imminent, especially for a guy like Montour who was on an expiring contract, going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. And With his recent play, it seemed like he'd just been, you know, destined to be on the move at some point. Um, You know, he's going to be going to Florida, as as per reports from David Pagnota from the fourth period, and Elliot Freeman and Pierre Lebron. And Kevin Weeks tweeted out just a bit ago that he's going to be going for a third-round pick. We don't know if it's going to be a third-round pick this year or next year, but certainly it seems like that, uh, you know, the, the move for Montour was coming at any point, and I'm surprised they maybe didn't do a similar situation with Taylor Hall, but nonetheless, he still gets moved just a couple days before the deadline. Obviously, the Sabres thought, Brayton, that Montour would be a big part of the defense in 2018. It's why you trade a a pretty good prospect on defense in Brandon Gooley and a draft pick as well a couple years ago. I really have struggled the last few years to form an opinion on Montour and what he was in Buffalo. Again, Mm -hmm. I I didn't think he was great, never thought he was terrible either. Like, How do you look back at his three years with the Sabres? Well, I thought his start here under Phil Housley's tutelage was pretty good. I mean, it seemed like he was brought in to be that transitional defenseman that can move the puck from defense to offense real quick, that can, you know, be a good passer and and really help contribute to some good offense. Now, you know, after Housley got fired and Kruger took over, that transitional style of play kind of went away, and I think he struggled right off the bat to really get accustomed to the new style that Kruger wanted his team to play. And it seemed like that once Don Granado took over, it was very much the same mantra with the younger guys that we're seeing with them being able to kind of play their own style and do their own thing. And I think that's exactly what Montour was able to do. And 
I think he flourished off that. I think we saw him be more of that transitional defenseman once again, the one that will take the puck and he'll move it up the ice and you know, he'll he's not afraid to carry it into the offensive zone and do great things with it. Now his defensive play, you know, it's very shaky at times, but you know, with a type of defenseman like that, it's you know, not gonna be surprising that um he struggles in the defensive zone like that, especially when he was playing in a system like Kruger. So you know, it, it was one of those things where I really liked the move at first when it first happened. I thought that the return was a little, maybe a little steep, but at the time, Montour was one of those defensemen seen as being on the rise, a younger guy that is the prototypical defenseman that everybody wants to have on their teams nowadays. And, you know, the time here, I don't think went the way he wanted it to. I don't think it went the way the Sabres wanted it to, but now they move on, they get an asset for him, and you start to build for the future now. Brayton Wilson joining us on Sports Talk Saturday as the NHL trade deadline looms. The Buffalo Sabres have made a move, sending Brandon Montour to the Florida Panthers. No details yet on draft picks or what the Sabres got back in return. Follow us on Twitter at WGR550, and we will keep you updated all throughout the day. Brayton, it felt like the Montour trade, with Anaheim at least, still showed they were going for a certain win-now approach, right? Like Montour mm-hmm. is a, a veteran defenseman. You send away a prospect of maybe a longer-term piece in Brandon, or I should say in Gooley. But now with this move, obviously I feel like it, it's kind of the start. It's like the first uh, shoe to drop in a potential house cleaning where the Sabres kind of realize who they are now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it would necessarily be a complete house building or one of those just rebuilds on the fly, but it's certainly one of those moves where, you know, Kevin Adams is going to be looking to retool and do everything he can to kind of retool the roster without necessarily uh, calling it a full-on rebuild. So, you know, I, I think that the third-round asset certainly helps. I think that, you know, now Kevin Adams' job gets a little more difficult as he starts to look ahead to the future and starts to look to build future assets going forward and kind of rebuild your prospect pool. But certainly, um, you know, losing losing a guy like Montour, it seems like he's really well-liked around the room and on the ice and everything like that. And, you know, he's going to go to Florida. He's going to get a chance to win now as Florida is one of the best teams in the NHL. And the Sabres, they continue to flounder near the basement. All right, Brayton, so with the NHL trade deadline coming up, obviously this isn't going to be the only move they make. What should we expect of the Sabres and uh, some potential trades down the road they could still make? Well, I mean, I still think they can make plenty of trades. The biggest one is Taylor Hall, obviously. Now, Hall actually is practicing today. He's wearing a white jersey that normally the taxi squatters wear, but he was on the ice. He was taking part in drills, and, um, you know, I think it was just kind of just to, hey, get on the ice, just keep your feet, you know, going and stay warm. So when you do get traded and go on the move, then, you know, you'll be, you'll be ready to go and ready to contribute, you know, if they, if you don't have to quarantine. So certainly interesting that, that Hall was on the ice today, but, you know, Hall could be moved. We could see Linus Allmark depending on how they see the future with him. Personally, I think that they probably should hold on to him and look to re-sign him, maybe get him re-signed before the free agency period opens at some point this summer. You know, they could try to trade guys like Ristolina. They could try to trade guys like Reinhardt. I think those are more off-season moves. I mm-hmm. think they're more of the type of moves that, you know, you're going to look to make hockey deals with those with multiple assets instead of just trying to get picks or trying to get prospects or something like that. So certainly Montour was right up there. Taylor Hall is still right up there. They could make another move or two on, you know, up front with another couple of guys with expiring contracts, but you know, it's it's difficult because this whole trade deadline with the whole COVID-19 restrictions right. and quarantine periods and everything, it just muddies the water a little bit. So, 
it'll it'll be interesting to see what the Sabres do over the course of the next you know forty eight plus hours here. But you know, I think that they'll be somewhat active, and you know, a lot of teams are going to continue to talk to them until three o'clock Monday. Yeah, Brayton, I mean, you mentioned a lot of names. I mean, Ristolainen, Sam Reinhardt, Taylor Hall, a lot of guys that were hopefully going to be a part of this core and have been for a long time. And Brandon Montour as well moved today to the Florida Panthers. Um, who can we be certain about? I'm just I'm thinking about it, defense as well as offense. Who do we know is going to be part of this team in a year or even two down the road? I just I feel like everybody is on the table. I don't want to say everybody's available, but you, you even mentioned Linus Allmark, who's clearly their best goaltender. Like, is there anybody that we know is going to be here? Yeah, no. I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at Cap Friendly right now, and I'm trying to think of other guys that could possibly be options. And I'm just I'm just looking at the roster, thinking, okay, um, you know, Dylan Cousins is probably here. Right. Stalin is probably here. And other than that, is Jack Eichel here? Is Sam Reinhart here? Is you know some of these other notable guys on the roster here? Like, you know, is Casey Middlestad here? Is Paige Thompson, Victor Olafson? You know, this roster, you know. I've been trying to, you know, I've been saying this for a little bit. I think that they're going to look to, you know, kind of retool and rebuild the roster mm-hmm. without calling it a massive rebuild. But, you know, it, there's a lot of uncertainties with this team going forward. And it, it stems from the rest of this season to next off season to, you know, probably another season after that, I would say. I mean, unless they have a miraculous turnaround like the 2017 Bills did under Sean McDermott's first year. Right. Um, not, not trying to compare football to hockey because they're two totally different sports, but if they could have a similar turnaround like that, that would be pretty remarkable. But, you know, Kevin Adams, again, has got a lot of work to do, and he's got to hire the right head coach. He's got to assemble his hockey operations staff, which we thought Jason Carmanos was going to be a guy that would be hired to be his assistant general manager a couple weeks ago, but we didn't, uh, I mean, that never came to fruition Mm -hmm. as of right now. So still a lot of unanswered questions and ones that will probably slowly, progressively get answered over time. But, Certainly, I think with the way that this playoff drought has gone and some other things that have happened in this organization over the years, I think everybody and most everybody will want answers now rather than later. Brayton Wilson joining us on WGR. The Sabres have traded defenseman Brandon Montour to the Florida Panthers. Brayton, is it for a th- I'm seeing a third round pick? Is that confirmed or do we still not know the compensation? I don't. I, I mean, there hasn't been anything announced from the team as of right now, but there's okay. multiple reports out there that are indicating it's a third round pick. So. Uh, Kevin Weeks had it. George Richards, who is a beat writer for uh, FloridaHockeyNews.com, he says it's a third-round pick. So I see, it seems like that's going to be the compensation for him. But again, we don't know if it's this year's draft or next year's draft that that pick is going to be coming. But either way, that seemed to be the going rate that Montour was going to go for. It was the rate that a lot of people had projected and talked about. So not not real surprising, but um, certainly maybe the you know the last handful of games that yep. Montour had where he scored all those goals maybe helped his value a little bit, but certainly we, we can never really truly know for sure. You can follow Brayton on Twitter at BJ Wilson WGR. Brayton, thanks, man, for taking the time on short notice. Yeah, thanks, Lou, and uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. You too, man. Brayton Wilson joining us on WGR. The Sabres have traded defenseman Brandon Montour to the Florida Panthers as the trade deadline looms. The uh, speculation right now, I saw Kevin Weeks, as Brayton said, tweeted out that um, he's been told the Sabres trade Montour to the Panthers for a third-round draft pick. And so we'll see if, you know, it hasn't been, like he said, confirmed by the teams yet, but that is the expectation right now is Buffalo will get a third for Montour so it's yeah it's crazy I mean again not that these teams deserve to stay put the way they are stay built the way they are um 
the Sabres haven't done anything. They haven't made the playoffs since 2011. But at the same time, it's just crazy that, again, who's part of this core long-term? I mean, Dylan Cousins, maybe Casey Middlestad, and just, you know, I mean, Rasmus, Rasmus Do- Ristolainen. I mean, yeah, probably. He's forever eternal here. He can never move. But Rasmus Dahlin and, you know, Yoki Haru, but even Jack Eichel, it's like... I don't, he's not going to want to stick around and deal with this much longer. So it's crazy how fast, I mean, these cores just continue to get dismantled. And, but at the same time, there's been talent here, right? I mean, you've had Ryan O'Reilly who won a con Smythe. You've had a Vander Kane. You've had Taylor Hall. These are some former, you know, Hart Trophy winners and con Smythe winners. And Jack Eichel is one of the most talented offensive players ever. And yet they've done nothing. And it just goes to show, I mean, this organization just cannot get it right across the board because even when they've had top-tier talent like that, they have sucked the life out of them and there's been no production. I mean, Taylor Hall this year, what? Corey has two goals? I mean, so they should have made – you would have thought they would have at least limped into the playoffs by accident by now. I mean, there's been way less talented teams over the last – like. Since 2015, when you drafted Eichel, there's been way less talented teams that have made the postseason. I guess a lot of it, though, is because those teams have strong goaltending, right? A team like Montreal last year isn't really the best team, but they can get into the playoffs because they have Carey Price. The Sabres have not had that. They have been stronger now, whereas normally, like you look at the Hashik teams, those were built on, predicated on elite goaltending and defense, and that got you to a cup. It consistently made the playoffs. Even the last time the Sabres made the playoffs, 2010, 2011, Miller won the Vesna in 2010, and you were the three seed. Then in 2011, you still have Miller, and you're the seven seed. This time around, I guess if you had a strength, it would have been offense, and it just has not been enough to carry you because you've messed up every other spot of the team outside of the top six. You've had pretty solid top six lineups since 2015 over the last six years. Again, you have. You've had some great names, but you've messed up everything else. You've messed up the bottom six. You've messed up the defense. You've not had that good goal t- not even that you need great goaltending you just need good goaltending you need like what you have with Linus Allmark right now and even to that level you have not had it I remember the year that they were tanking you couldn't even find a bad goalie that yeah, year. they were getting like they- Michael Neuwirth to <laughs> Neuwirth screw was up. getting hot so Timurie ships him out then it before that it was Jonas Enroth I think he traded him so every goalie they that had Halak hot- was Halak there Halak was there yep. um Anders Lindback even Let's got remember hot some guys a, right Ander, now. Let's remember Anders, some guys. Anders Lindback even got hot for a couple games there. He stole a couple points for you. Nathan Lewin was playing, not that he was very good. There was a lot of goalies that year. Andre Makarov, I think, got a start. I think I don't, I don't know if Jason Kazdorf played a game. I know Nathaniel Hackett did. He was at the he started the game I was at the Tank Bowl against Arizona. So what's that? Like seven, eight goalies? And a lot of them you got some pretty solid play from. They were stealing you points. Now yep. you can't they haven't been able to buy that. And it's crazy because the Sabres have always had great goaltending. It seems like they've always had premier goaltending, right? Their entire existence, and now it hasn't been there. And so you haven't got that right. You haven't got the defense right. You haven't got the bottom six coaching. And what's the consistent factor, though, why these things continuously get messed up with different regimes? You know, I mean, you got to ask yourself what that question is. What is the one consistent factor? And, you know, it's uh, – it's 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 tough because I used to talk about this with the I mean Corey this is what we used to say about the Bills every single talking point that I'm saying here was me about the Bills growing up uh, you, you know and what? they've totally re- the Sabers were the fun franchise that had it figured out yeah it's and f- now it's completely the roles are reversed it's funny you mention that because I re- during the drought it really did feel like very often you'd find the Bills making very dumb decisions on like the, at 
at critical moments, they'd make the worst possible decision they could make. They would just have like low IQ, sports IQ at times when they were playing. They would take a dumb penalty or they'd make the wrong read or something like that. And watching the Sabres, like, I find myself thinking the same thing, yeah. that they very often find themselves making the wrong decision in a breakout, like f- locking up and freezing when they should be making a very quick decision. Just having a, a, a very low hockey IQ sense of like, and you see it in the stats. They're bad defending. Yep. They're bad at offense. Like they're just like they don't make smart plays. And you're not going to win if you're not smart, especially if you don't have, if you have sub average goaltending. Like if your goaltending is bad, you better be pretty smart with the puck. Right. So that you. That's the problem. There hasn't been one thing right. that can carry you. That's that's the problem. Is when your offense has been bad, your goaltending hasn't been able to carry you. Right. When your goaltending is bad. Your offense hasn't been able to carry you. Defense has never... You've just never had things sync up at once, right? Where if you just have a couple of those units get hot at the right time, you would have been able to make the playoffs at least once. Yeah. And it just... They've never been on the same page. It's always a... There's always a problem. It's always... If defense is an issue, goaltending... Goaltending's not. But then one, one of them always is. And then a lot of the times, they're all an issue. It's just... It's a mess from top to bottom. It, it really is, and it's, it sucks. I mean... You'll know look, things are getting better when people start yeah. saying the Sabres play smart hockey. Right. And when's the last time you ever thought that? Since I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, and that shows my age more than anything. But, I mean, that's I, – I, I mean, Buffalo fans have a lot of emotional stamina to go from one near two-decade-long drought to another one where they haven't made the playoffs now in 10 years. Like, going – what city has gone – Back-to-back, decade-long droughts. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like it before. I mean, there are there have been cities who I'm have sure bad Cle- teams, I mean, Cleveland, right? The Browns and the Cavaliers, but, like, but not in this narrative. Right, it feels where like, it's right? like instantly when the Bills figured it out, the Sabers. That's when they, they. It's like they literally. It was like Freaky Friday. Right, they literally like the roles were reversed. Someone will be bad. A history of Buffalo sports from nineteen. Right. When was the, the last present? time they were both good together? <laughs> 2005, and they, even that was brief. Yeah, and the even Bills, then they missed the playoffs. The Bills f- what was the last time both made the playoffs together? The 90s, 99. Yeah, probably they, the, right. The Music City Miracle, and then because they, they made the cup that year. Even if you want to say like the early 90s, where the Sabers were like really good, right? Like 92, 93, right. but With they didn't Lofton go team, anywhere. But like yeah. at least you felt like both yeah. teams were fun. So you hear me all the time talking. We got to take a break, but real quick, you hear me all the time talking about how. Like, I'm talking about the Patriots, and I hate being that middling team, right? I don't want to be the team that can't win a championship but also can't draft high enough for the quarterback. And that was the whole reason I wanted the Sabres in 2015 to tank for Jack Eichel. But at the same time, now, because I'm so starved for even competent hockey, because, like, I grew up loving hockey. That was the first sport I loved. And now it's all football, and the Sabres, I'm not going to lie, they've kicked the passion out of me over the last decade. And it's hard. You even hear me on the show today rarely talking hockey because it's just not fun, and most people don't want to hear it. And so that sucks. Whereas to now, I'm willing to sacrifice almost long-term success. It's kind of like the drought. I now understand why people wanted the drought over, even if it meant sacrificing long-term success, because this takes a toll on you. And you just want to enjoy your team again at some level. You just want to, even if it's a first round now, you just want to enjoy it to a certain degree, whether it's just bouncing out in the first round. And you just, you haven't even come close to, or even at least competing. Even if, Corey, you missed the playoffs, they haven't even been in the in the hunt at yeah. the end. Mm-hmm. When was the last time the closest they were in the hunt? Like, the first or second Biles my year, and even then they played their way out of it at the end. Yeah, I mean it's it doesn't have to take a lot to get you back there. No, it doesn't. You get a good, you get I a halfway decent goalie. It again, and it's not. It's you swap a couple close. of parts out. They don't have to be that far away. I know it feels like forever. Yeah, but they don't have to be that far away, and I don't think that's the right feeling to take. And it's not that I want them to sacrifice long term success. I want to win a cup. I don't want to be the eight seed forever, right? But. 
again, it's been so miserable for so long now that I just want to taste that again. They disassembled the entire organization there over mm-hmm. the past year. And, I mean, they're slowly trying to build it back. I mean, we've heard that Adams once wanted to hire a second, hand, uh, a second lieutenant. Yeah. But, like... I don't know how you construct a team to win in the modern NHL with absolutely no organization behind it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know how you do that. Yep, the Sabres trade Brandon Montour. The NHL trade deadline looms. The report is that it could be for a third-round pick. We should have updates for you on Twitter at WGR550 at odyssey.com. Uh, so we'll have the updates for you as we continue to roll here. We've got one more segment to go. Louis DiBiase, Corey Griswold. This is Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Some somber music, Corey. <laughs> Give it a sec. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. That's more upbeat. The Sabres kind of brought the vibe down a little bit, as they tend to over the last decade. Louis DiBiase and Corey Griswold. One more segment here on Sports Talk Saturday. In for Nate Geary, WGR Sports Radio 550. I mean, Montour gets to go to Florida. Right. So, so that's, that's cool. Fun. Yeah. And pe- the players are probably happy for him because he's yeah. going to go do something fun. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be sad. He was on the ice uh, saying bye to the players. Brayton took a picture of it on Twitter uh, as he was on uh, the phone with us. So he's officially traded to Florida. The report is that it could be for a third-round pick. We have not confirmed that yet, so be sure to uh, continue to follow us on Twitter as we get updates all throughout the day. So Taylor Hall is on the taxi squad. Yeah. So he is not available pretty much, I think. Um, And Colin Miller was not practicing. Okay. So if we are waiting to see like who else could possibly be moving, like yeah. that was it. And the Sabers obviously are like not afraid to pull guys yeah. if they don't want them to be exposed to injury if they're going to be traded, right? Yep. Which we have not seen with Rasmus Ristolainen, so I would not suspect that they are going to move him. That man's going to be here forever. And he, I feel terrible <laughs> for him. I do, I do too. That's the thing. Like we always talk about, like upgrading from Ristolainen. I feel, I'm talking like his perspective too, though. He's been here through. All of this. Oh, yeah. From the very all beginning. All of it. From the beginning. He has seen all of it. Yeah, and like he's pretty much made it clear he would prefer to be someplace else. If How he has is he the... not dead inside from this? He I mean, might be. It's I am. Plausible. And he's playing. So, like, like I, he's making money off I, of it. I'm not. Though, no, but... That's true. But, like, <laughs> the, the, the check's clear. But, I, like, I right, do, right. they keep telling him, it's like, no, you're the most important part of our organization. And he's like, I don't want to be. <laughs> yeah, please like, don't I, say that don't anymore. Don't say that. <laughs> he's got to pull George Costanza and try to get fired. Right. You know? <laughs> That's pretty much what he's got to do. He's got to do something to the Pagoulas. Sleeping under his desk at the arena. Yeah, right? Man, I w- it was funny. We took a break. We were talking about how the Sabres and Bills have totally, you know, the reverse, the roles have reversed. The The Bills know what they're doing now. It seems like they're playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. And the Sabres, it's the opposite. And growing up, it used to be the Sabres were that top team and the Bills were a miserable nightmare. Whereas now it's it's the opposite. And you know, we're talking a lot of NFL draft today, and I, I was just looking at the Bills draft history through Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott's tenure from 2017 to now. I mean, meanwhile, the Sabres are missing the playoffs for a decade, and every pick they make, it just seems like nothing works out on offense, defense, like bottom third or the bottom third line and the fourth line and defense and goaltending. Nothing seems to work. And then the Bills are just churning out draft class after draft class. They're taking Tredavious White and Deion Dawkins in a class and then Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, and they're finding Teron Johnson in the fourth round. And even their bad picks are they're like unsure picks like Ed Oliver in the first round in 2019. That might be their worst first round pick. 
and he's still a solid starting defensive tackle, and you've gotten guys like Singletary and Knox and Moss in the third round, and it just seems like even if it doesn't totally pan out with the Bills right now, there's at least a certain floor there of success. I would say last year, A.J. Epineza, the second-round pick, I mean, the jury's still out on him. That might be a flop, but... You know, then you get Gabriel Davis in the fourth round, and that might be a core piece of your receiving group long-term. So the Bills have it all figured out, and the Sabres, it's the complete opposite of what it was growing up. The Sabres were making conference finals and, you know, cup appearances, and now they just, man, they're uh, they're a disaster. And, you know, Brayton kind of talked about it not being a full-blown rebuild. I don't know. I, I don't know if this is going to be like a retooling instead of a rebuild. This might be a blow-it-up kind of thing, and we'll see. Montour is the first shoe to drop. The trade deadline's coming up. Taylor Hall, like you said, is in the taxi squad, and Colin Miller could be next. And the only guys I guarantee you are here next year and in, in a couple years is Darlene, Cousins, and, I mean, those are like the two big guys. I, Jack Eichel, I have no idea. They could trade him. So there's a lot of unknown with the Buffalo Sabres as there continues to be uh, throughout the last decade. All right, that's going to do it for Sports Talk Saturday. Louis DiBiase and Corey Griswold, thanks so much for tuning in. Nate should be back next Saturday right here on WGR. I'll continue to talk with you guys, though, on Twitter if you want, at WGR550, at DiBiaseLOE. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. This has been another Sports Talk Saturday on WGR.